everyone and um so our listeners out there also good evening and i hope we all had a wonderful week and um this evening we have um some senior men in the house uh, we know we have our own senior man in um, the super eagles we still have our um, other senior men in the house too um on today's podcast and i'll just start with those two senior men first and uh, by introducing mr bamiji ojo good evening mr bamiji Good evening, Debo. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm <laughs> doing great. And thanks for I am joining the show this evening. And uh, really excited to have you on the on the show today. Also, good evening, Mr. Shaye. And um, thanks for joining our call again um, this evening. Good evening. Thank you once again. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Good evening. And um, to the two other to the other guys, uh, the palliative guys. Uh, one of them, which is the tech bro, or the upcoming tech bro, uh, Dr. Okwaya, good evening again. Good evening, bro. Um, nice, to be, nice to be here. This is your tech bro <laughs> announcement. I beg you. And then to the last person on today's call, uh, Mr. Israel, good evening. And we hope you had a wonderful week. Yeah, good evening, good evening. Good evening, good evening. Well, great, great to hear. I'm sure it has been a good week for everyone uh, because, uh, like we all know, Nigeria, the Super Eagles have, um, you know, qualified for that next round. And I'm sure everybody must have spoken about, you know, the Super Eagles at, the, at some point this week. And I'm just, me personally, I think um, they, they did quite well um, in the group stage. Three winning, three games, you know, from three matches. I, I think we can all expect something high from them, but I'm just going to go straight into it. Um, Bamiji, what, what do you think about the chances of the Super Eagles winning the tournament itself? Because let's not lie, we, I think we are, if, if not the, like, the favourite now, we are like part of the two favourites because there's uh, someone else, Cameroon, who is also doing very well. But what expectation do you have moving forward for the Super Eagles in this tournament? Uh, thank you for that, Debo. It's been a relatively decent tournament which started out volleyball. It's gotten better. Um, if you recall the match they won where we were just having binary um, goal scoring numbers, 1-0, But yeah, the tournament has been improving as the, as the games have been coming. About Nigeria, it seems like everybody doesn't want to hide Nigeria so much, although it's different on Twitter. Everybody's going crazy and berserk over there. But when it comes to pundits um, and everything, nobody is, everybody's being very, very careful because, you know, in Nigeria, as we're shocked that we're actually the best team of the group stage. Only team to have my point, um, two clean sheets, it was a disciplined and compact performance, considering what could have happened when we sat um, raw and brought in Austin. But I think that was the best thing that they did. Although now we're hearing reports that they want to give Austin a, a final and a full deal, which I think is a bad decision at this moment. Let him just go on and continue doing what he's been doing. And, but yeah, apart, as, for, as for the gameplay, Nigeria has looked really, really good. Against Guinea Bissau, we used a second string attack and even though it took a time before we got the opening goal, we could still feel that it was coming. It was coming and beautiful pass um, pre-assist from the real senior man, um, Kelechi, and a crossing for Kelechi. 
for Mwakali's score. But yeah, as regards um, Nigeria's chances, I think we can at least reach the semi-finals. We need to get past the Tunisia side that usually gives us one issue or two, although we did win them in the last um, tournament. But Tunisia, most Nigerians remember Yuma 2 and 4 and a couple of other times. Tunisia usually book it in for Nigeria. But if we can keep doing what we're doing, the last time we won the Afcon, there was a Moses running down the wing. This year, there's a Moses running down the wing. Who knows? Well, um, true. I totally agree about that, uh, the Tunisia aspect. Because even apart from Tunisia, I think we, we, some, we, we somehow find it difficult to defeat the, the Northern um, you know, teams. Uh, well, we've seen that we won um, Egypt, and I'm sure most of us were not actually... I'm sure most of us will be comfortable with a draw in that game um, against Egypt, but um, with that performance, I think we can, you know, still be we can be optimistic about going into that very very tricky one on Sunday against Tunisia. Because um, I would say tricky again in the sense that we can be we, we can be complete, you know, that complete that complacency, you know, is always there uh, for Nigeria, and I'm sure that's why you think you know pundits are not. Outrightly going out, you know, fully to say Nigeria is the outright, you know, favorite for this tournament because at the end of the day, we've seen other great Super Eagles teams uh, that will say, okay, they should go beyond even just just 94. Um, those guys that went to that World Cup, they really, really, you know, impressed us and unfortunately still broke our hearts at, at in a, in, a, in a match we thought we should have won. So I'm just going to go through um to share. Um, do you do you really think you know? Is, is a good idea to start talking about giving Iguavon a new deal when we are still... Yes, he did well in those group stages, um, but are we looking to now say, okay, Iguavon, you are the next, you are the, you are the right man to take us to that next to that next level? Because we've seen what happened with, you know, the club side like Manchester United where they, they shouldn't have done that deal, but somehow it was done. I, don't, I wouldn't want us to be another Ferdinand. Or do you think we will not be the Ferdinand that said, oh, give him whatever I want, and uh, we all know what happened. So what, what do you think about about that, the, the chances there? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right, really. I think it might be a little bit premature talking about the permanent term appointment now for Austinate Wabon, because um, there, there seems to be um, less... There seems to be less weight on his shoulders now at the moment, and um, really, it, it helps him to have a clear head with the selections and all those things. Because if you are not the head coach, you know they are not likely to hold you as liable, you know. And I, I think it has really helped uh, at the moment. They should really let him complete the, the tournament and then see how things go from there. I'm not against him being the permanent coach because the reason why I'm not against that is because. The credibility of the person they plan to appoint after the tournament is questionable. So if you have someone who has, you know, performed and gone all the way to win the Afcon when we had no hopes of, you know, winning it possibly or little hopes, as I may say, then it's not really bad for him to, you know, hold on to his stake and say, yes, I think I can lead the um, the national team to qualifiers for the World Cup as well as the World Cup. But right now at the group stage. They should not be offering equal opportunities. Well, I, I I think when most of us here, or if not all of us, would agree to that uh, 
I think um, Iguabon is doing well, like you said, currently. But let us see what will happen at the end of the tournament. We don't we, we don't want to go to Tunisia's game and you know play badly and becomes another problem because once you sign that deal, we we all know how difficult it is it was to like um, you know get rid of um, Roa at the end. So we don't want that kind of situation moving forward. Um, but talking about a coach that will most likely get a staff, you know, um, Israel. Um, <laughs> we we also what happened with Ghana this this um upcon it was it was, i'm sure it was a tragedy it was a tragic one they were really really dragged on cl everybody you know dragged them including myself uh dragged them uh, but moving forward for ghana um israel do you really do you think they should they need to change their manager now or is they, they should still allow that manager to you know build a team that is looking like okay preparing for for the World Cup or, you know, for the next AFCON itself, what, what do you think there, Israel? Um, basically, I, 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 I literally think uh, they, change, they should start from changing their manager one. Number two, um, the selection of players and, like, I don't think it's working for them again. They try to use the same system they used in, um, in South Africa, South Africa 2010, and it didn't work for them. Um, and this time they are lacking strikers. They are lacking strikers. Everybody just wants to score. Like there's no, there's no patterns to their game. So I mean, changing their manager will do a lot better um, for them. That's one. And yeah, that's that's what that's just what I think. That's just what I think. Because I mean, this this tournament was just like really, 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 really bad. And um, and they need to fix some things in their FA. It needs to fix something in the FA. I don't know what I, I believe there's something wrong. I believe there's something wrong. We just need to fix it. And I, I also believe like they have been the same problem with with the NFF. Like it's just similar problems they have with the NFF. There's a whole lot of um um this thing going around, um corruption going around and all that. But um first of let them start with um replacing the manager and focusing on preparing for the World Cup. Well, I, I agree with that. I think um, getting rid of the manager now will be like the most likely thing for, for, for Ghana. Um, in that group that they were, they, none of us would have predicted them not making you know, the next round because at the end of the day, we still have the best losers in a group going. We still have those guys that came towards and they are still going to the next round and you know, just it, it seemed like Ghana. Um, I think we have all watched them competing. Um, whenever Nigeria Ghana is going to even play there, sometimes I would think about it. That man, are we are we going to win this game? Because it's all that tight. But now I think there's there's really no argument there. Uh, watching the way Nigeria is playing and the way we can we, we could all see, you know, um, these guys face on on DSTV. Um, I, I I've forgotten his name. The yeah, striker, the guy, uh, Guyan's um, expression, you know, he was he was really really sad about the whole tournament. Um, but do you do you think at at this stage now, Ghana needs to like change their old squad because that, if you look at that team, um, you, the the guys playing up front have you know they've they've had this spine in that team. That's the striker having a at least a solid midfield and the defense somehow just fixes itself. But the midfield and the striker has always been 
the strength of Ghana or of that Ghana of the Ghana team. What what do you think um, they can do? Do you think they should start looking at the under 20s, under 23s to like promote guys into the first team, or they should still stick with their old guns moving forward in in you know in Ghana? And thank you for that question. I, I really um, you know feel very bad, you know. For, for for Ghana right now, I know I know there's been a lot of banter and a lot of banter dragging, dragging. You know, of how they've played comparing their goalkeeper to T. Walcott and so many so many things on some the people, some, some people's gen might have gotten bad now due to the way they've dragged you know Ghana. It's, 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 loud. it's been really bad. But then again, we need to talk about the realities. I looked at the Ghana team and I watched um two of their games and really the they are an average team. I don't know which um, country relies on Andrea Ayo and Jordan Ayo in 2022 as their outlet for goals in a tournament of, you know, AFCON's magnitude. So I feel like well, they really need to... They, they really need... What did you say? No, no, no. That was... Okay, so right, like, they really need to, like, um, you know, go back to, you know, looking for... Home, players that are hungry, players that are willing to, you know, work with whatever structure that they are trying to build. Yes, you know, they brought in um, Suleimana, you know, he's doing very well in um, Stade René in France, you know, and they have some other young players in that team and trying to mix them up with, you know, the Amates, the Pates, the Andrea Hughes, you know, just a mix of experience and, you know, youth. But I think they, they really need to um, just, I think there are some background problems problems with their FA, you know, they need to go back and re-strategize, especially with the, you know, World Cup com- qualifiers coming soon. I was, you know, I was wondering, there's this um, new guy, you know, the, the Mourinho guy in um, in um, Roma. I figured that I was called up for one of the quali- um, World Cup qualifying games, you know, in in um, in November, yeah. thereabouts. But he didn't make this quote. I don't know if they have, you know, so many players that are as good as that guy on their on their bench for that guy not to make the score because it looks like another young Ghanaian talent, you know, fast, you know, deadly that could have also helped them in this tournament. But of course, you know, the coaches you know probably know better and decided not to select him. So I feel like they they can they can actually go back, re strategize, get some of these young guys in, you know, Reduce the influence of the likes of Andrea. You, uh, they, they've been there for they've been there for for years. They've they've given their best to the Ghanaian national team. So I, I feel like it's time to you know find a new a new um, way to make to make them tick again. So um, I'm I'm sure Ghana you know Ghana fans out there are really going to be hopeful about like you know, a turnaround for them because it's it it has really been a crazy one, a crazy tournament. And to cap it all, Pate left, you know, um Ghana only to get to Asna and then someone called him one hilarious name on, on, on the timeline and I, I I just couldn't stop laughing. And you know, we I, I, another thing that is, you know, currently under fire, um Shaye is Algeria because I think the the performance is, is so funny because you know Algeria's team that was looking like nobody everyone was going to beat in like 
this was less than two years or three years ago. Everyone was going to be there, and then the coach did a good thing. They won the Afcon tournament, and then everyone was scared of Algeria. Only for them to come to the next tournament just after you know winning, and I don't know, they are just like a shadow of themselves. I don't know what what do you think, Shaye? What they can what can they do moving forward in getting that team back to its glory days? <laughs> well, of course, we're all surprised about um, the outcome of um, uh, Algeria being knocked out of that, that group. And um, the expectation was that Ivory Coast and Algeria were both going to qualify. And then um, I was lucky to watch two out of their three games. And um, it, it, it seems like Nigeria actually is the gold standard of the team. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is shocking. Because everybody I watch now, I try to compare it to Nigeria, and I'm like, ah, these guys are not even that good, including Cameroon, you know, yes. including Cameroon. The, 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 you see, Algeria, <laughs> that Algeria team, if they play Ivory Coast three times, they are going to lose three times. As in, basically, Ivory Coast didn't break a sweat to beat them. It, it, was, that, it was that bad. It, initially, in the first half, they were making it seem like they were shocked. You know, they, when Ivory Coast scored their second goal by... Um, Sangari, they showed the bench, and you know, you could see people like Feguli uh, raising up their head, and you know, people were having this downcast face, like, ah, now we be this, we will be bad guys, that kind of thing. But the fact of the case is, they were well beaten. So it, it, it's really shocking that we're having that. People say that the northern North African teams grow into the AFCON. I don't necessarily think that's true, you know, I think they've just underestimated a lot of people, maybe because of the high post or the FIFA rankings, and they just did not show up this time, really. So for Algeria moving forward, they don't, they don't really need much. They just need to go back to the drawing board. People now, you know how AFCON is, it's really quite unpredictable. Sometimes some teams get early goals and then they lock up. You know, Gabon, for example, they've been a very disciplined team, even without their captain, Obemian, because they, they went back to the drawing board. You do the necessary things. You know it's going to be difficult to score goals. First, you have to ensure that you don't leak goals. I can boldly say that that's one of the reasons why Egypt has also qualified in this in this tournament because they were not extraordinarily special. But someone like Ahmed Ghazi is having a very good tournament. He 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 makes that difference quite solid. If you don't leak goals in the Afcon, the chances that you are going to qualify is quite high. Algeria's defense is very terrible. There is a guy in, in that defense, I can't even remember his name. Very, very vocal guy. He doesn't know how to defend. He's just complaining. He complained all throughout the, the Cote d'Ivoire game, and it's, it's quite annoying. So they need to go back to the drawing board. They have good attackers. Uh, the Bunija is quite good. You have Mares, who is also a solid player. That's all you need, really. All we have is Moses Simon and a couple of guys. That's all we need. That's all you need. You just need someone who is sharp. And somebody who can, who can, who can, you know, some, uh, what's his name? Sadiq Umar has scored for nine. If Sadiq Umar can score in the Afcon, <laughs> anybody can score in the Afcon. You just need a Moses Simon. You need a Marais. So I think they just need to go back to the game. Well, um, I think uh, we can all agree they don't need as much as uh, what Ghana needs. And um, I'm sure. Uh, Bamiji would also agree to that to that fact. Algeria is, I think, they are still that team that 
you know, everybody's style of play. We want to play like them because we've seen how they played in the past. We've seen what they can do with the ball. And for them to have this kind of tournament, is it, are we going to say, you know, the AFCON teams are now trying to, you know, improve their style tactically? Because at the end of the day, these guys also did not concede against Algeria. Let's remember that fact. They all, I think most of them kept a clean sheet, even though their keepers had a wonderful game. Though they, they, they still didn't concede. Uh, is, is it a thing of Algeria, you know, having a bad tournament or um, African teams rising up to the occasion and saying, okay, let's, we've seen that in the Euro, in European football. Is it, is it the same thing for, for us in Africa now, Samiji? Um, well, I think the, the, the coach, um, Jamel Bermadi, he, he described it perfectly when he was asked. He said it's simply a failure. That's, only, that's exactly what happened because this tournament was meant to be the tournament that Algeria was going to use to, to match up with Italy's record of 36 games and going straight without losing a game. Algeria has not lost a game. Before entering the Afghan, they have not lost a game since October 2018. They won um, the Arab Cup in Qatar recently in December. So I, I think it was just a case of we've seen how this Afghan has gone. Like um, Israel rightly said, Nigeria is a team for everyone to look up to. When we're just really excited that at least they just watch Nigeria play. But we've seen big teams struggle like Senegal. They qualified, but it was that penalty in the first game that probably gave them that that um, qualification. Um, Ghana is out. Um, we see Egypt struggling. They're yet to find the pattern. They're playing Salah through the middle. So, yeah, I think it was just an anomaly for that Algeria side. Marius was missing a penalty. So, th there's, there's just a couple of things that did not add up for, for Algeria. And for them to have gone into that group where there's Syria alone, there's Equatorial Guinea, and yeah, probably you have talked about would be the only thing that would give them an issue, but they were beaten quite easily. Um, by by Kodibar. So I think it's an anomaly. I think it should not be sacked. He came up with his hands up saying, yo, this this is this is on me. We made a mistake. So I think it should still be allowed to go on, but it was definitely one of the poorest um, types of defenses in in, in, Af in Afghan history. Well um I, I, I it's so funny that we are we are we are out here trying to defend you know the the Algeria manager because uh, and I'm thinking about it. If this were to be a super egos team, you know, losing in this manner, would we still want to keep that manager? I think that's a question that <laughs> is, I'm not sure. Is, is quite yeah, that, 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 you try to look at what is, is done. Since the World Cup in 2018, Algeria was one of the most praised or eroded of 2014, actually, where I think Germany knocked them out here. Yeah. They were one of the most Eroded upcoming African team. In, so, even winning the AFCON was a projection, was a continuation of the trajectory that they had been on. So, it, it can't just come 34 games unbeaten since 2018 and all of a sudden everything turns to Tata. So, I think it's just part of the surprise of what has been a very, very surprising tournament so far. Well, it has really been a surprising tournament and someone who has just you know, surprised us by with his appearance. Uh, talking about Mr. Koinsola. Good evening, Koinsola. How are you doing, too? Um, good evening. I'm very, very fine. Good evening. <laughs> Apologies, I keep 
<laughs> well, you are very, very fine, but uh, I'm not sure you are still fine. But we'll get to that part. We'll get to that part. Let's, uh, but I, I'm also sure you are still fine because Nigeria qualified. So I think you are in between at the moment because one side is doing well, the other side, well, that one I'm not sure about. But anyways, I think one side that we can all agree that is doing well, um, Corinthians is Cote d'Ivoire because that performance against Algeria, I don't think we can really sweep it by the side. Because I, I watched that game and I'm, I think I, I, I asked myself if we meet, if Nigeria plays, you know, this team and it's really going to be a tight one. Um, I, I think it's really going to be a tight one. And what, are, what, what do you think about Cote chances after seeing that performance against Algeria? Please. Okay, now, sorry, I'm going to look like someone that <laughs> does not know football right now. But to be honest, I feel like a lot of people overrated that performance because I watched the match and to be honest, if Algeria were actually really serious, that match wouldn't have ended like that. Like, they were, I, I have a theory, right? Most of those Algerian guys probably didn't want to come for this tournament. And to be honest, I, I tweeted it today because when it was time for them to, the funniest thing is 15 minutes to the end of the game, they start playing like prime Spain and you're going, so what have you guys been doing for the past 75 minutes? The same thing they did in their last game, the one that I can't even remember the guys that beat them now. Same thing. That was the same thing. Then they started creating chances upon chances. And I'm like, at what time? I mean, I watched Cote d'Ivoire's first two matches. To be honest, they were poor. They were poor. The only real side they faced was probably Algeria. And Algeria, to be honest, I, I, they are very disappointing. Or maybe because I'm just angry with them. Like, it was disappointing. Like, it was extremely disappointing as far as I'm concerned. To be honest, I would rather play Cote d'Ivoire than play teams like Malawi. <laughs> really? Yes, Bamiji, um, do, do you agree with uh, what Coin just, you know, said? Do you also think the performance against Algeria by Cote d'Ivoire was was just a dare performance and not a performance we should say, okay, let's look at this team. Maybe they can actually challenge Nigeria moving forward. Um, yeah, I would. Uh, although I think it was a bit extreme and unfair. Because that was actually a very good performance. Nicolas Pepe totally terrorized um, that defense on the day. But yeah, they came up against a poor Algeria, Algeria side. So you can understand where his own is coming from. Africans have not looked perfect the way Nigeria have looked. Because yes, I can say that Nigeria have looked really, really good. They look like a side that can, I saw someone say, bring on Germany. Yes, I, that's how Nigeria has looked. <laughs> It looked a level ahead of all the teams, and that's crazy. But yeah, as it was, they drew, they won the third game against Equatorial Guinea, won't go to near. They drew against Rio alone with that crazy incident that happened with Sangare. But they've not, they've not looked that level up. They've gotten a lot of chances. Especially against Rio alone, they should have ended that game 6 2. But they missed a lot of chances, and Rio um, alone were able to collide when Coca capitalize on the error. But yeah, his drive, I think, is a little bit harsh on their performance because they, they totally, you, you, you need to play with in your front. 
whether they are bad or not, and they did that, and they did very well. Well, um, I, I think, I don't know. With this, with this uh, statement, I, I think we have um, two sides now that are looking like they might, you know, challenge. And on another day, they can, they can be a team that will be wondering who, 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 who is this, who is playing. Like, so um, Cote d'Ivoire, I think, will still be a challenge for any, you know, any team in the in that next round. Um, they will be facing Egypt in that one which I believe is going to be another tight game. And um, Shaye, I'm just going to come to you. The Egypt have not, you know, they've not, we've not seen the Egypt we know. There's the Egypt that, you know, does, doesn't concede goals, create chances, score goals, excite. They are one team that many teams do not want to play in AFCON, but I don't think we've seen that yet in this AFCON tournament. That matchup against Cote d'Ivoire, how do you think that would, you know, come out? We have been two inconsistent teams. Cote d'Ivoire not consistent, you know, um, Egypt also not consistent. But, but, but two giants too. What do you think will happen in that one, um, Shaye? Well, I, I honestly think that I think that Cote d'Ivoire is going to come out top. You see, there is one thing that we we must not forget that is an added advantage in Africa. And it's the fact that when you have star players, you know, a group of people are likely to turn up, even if you are not that good. And so we're experiencing it in Nigeria now. The only reason why we can have that kind of performance in Nigeria is because we actually have the people to do it. It's just as before, they were not willing, probably not encouraged. There was no ginger to do it. Now you hear people saying that there is a team spirit. People seem like one family on that level. Yes. Because we have the quality of players to do, and Cote d'Ivoire absolutely have that quality of players to do. For Canada, Cote d'Ivoire is just as star-studded as Nigerian squad is. They are big boys in the midfield. They are big boys in the attack. They are big boys in the defense. Compared to Egypt, it just has a, a couple of people. If, if Elneny, I mean, Elneny is the star player in the midfield, for Elneny is the one that takes some free kicks, so long-range free kicks for Egypt. Or at the right hand side, El Nini takes those with it. Of course, El Nini is just there. The midfield in Cote d'Ivoire has it by him, Sangari. Sangari, Manchester United are constantly swapping, bringing in Sangari. Frankessi is there, John Michael Seri is there, Pepe is there, Zaha is there, Hale is there. That's too much for, for any team. So I think Egypt can only stand a chance if they continue their defensive resilience. And like I said, Egazi has probably been the best defender in the competition so far. So they really need to find a way to be solid and sit back against Algeria. That's the mistake Algeria made. I think Algeria were too, they were too bold and they probably didn't approach the Cote d'Ivoire game in a better manner because that, that attack in Cote d'Ivoire is actually quite strong. I, I really fancy that get a better one over, over the field. Well, um, I think we cannot argue with the fact that um, Cote d'Ivoire have, you know, the superstars in their squad, and then um, Egypt are really over, uh, you know, very reliant on Mohamed Salah, and the style level are not are not really the same thing. But we'll see that uh, one on January 26th, and uh, we'll, we'll see the outcome of that performance. Let's just touch um, lastly on Africa, um, Afcon, um, the host nations. They're going to be facing Comoros. I think 
we can all agree on one fact that <laughs> you know Cameroon are going to win that one. And then say of the tournament so far, are we all going to say Vincent Abubakar and Israel? What do you think? Israel, are you with me? Um, Player of the tournament, I would rather give it to Simon, but I don't think Abubakar. I, I still think Abubakar is just like, I don't know. I'm not convinced yet, Abed. I'm not convinced yet. It's still going to be Simon for me. Well, um, a player with four goals, I, I think we, well, personally, I would still say he's currently the player of the tournament. Uh, okay, I don't know if you agree with that statement or you also agree with Israel by saying was uh, Simon so far. Well, um, if if you look at the numbers, I think it would be Abu Bakr. He, he might have started with two penalties in the first game, but really he, he stepped up for Cameroon. And um, it's the reason why, you know, we we are looking at Cameroon as, okay, one of the favorites to actually win this tournament. Look at the Cameroonian team and you're just wondering, okay, aside Abu Bakr or maybe Anguissa, who else will really step up for this team? So I think at this point in the tournament, with five goals, I, I think... Um, is is um player of the tournament so far in as much as the likes of PP and um Moses Simon so have are actually have actually been very good. I wish well, they could I, just leave right back to vote. <laughs> Let right back vote. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you'll be fine. That that was the Simon winning uh, the tournament uh, the, the the player of the tournament already. Um but, but lastly uh Babiji Senegal I, like you said, you mentioned earlier that they are currently not playing very well at all. And I watched their, you know, their last game. I watched the one even before that. I, I think about two games. If that team is not looking like the Senegal would, would expect to play. And they'll be meeting a Quebec team. Who looks like, you know, those guys actually know how to play ball. But they might not have the superstars, but they know how to, you know, knock the ball around, can pose a tricky threat to that Senegal team, do you think you know they will have enough to win that that you know that match, considering how they have played so far in the in the in the tournament? Uh, yes, um, our kids have attacked this tournament has has been quite brilliant actually. They they use um the name of this their winger is called is called and is assisted in the group. I can't remember his name, but. Yeah, it's one of their wingers, the striker Tavares. Those two, those are the danger men for for Kibet, for that Kibet side. But as regards Senegal, a lot of people were saying, and I thought it was quite hilarious and funny actually, that because Mendy, Koulibaly were not around, that's why they could not play some things. And it was really irritating to hear because you have Zimbabwe, you have Malawi. These are things that you expect Senegal to conveniently beat. This. This is Senegal entering the Afcon as the highest ranked African side. So this is, it was really the, the another very, very disappointing side um, coming from this last um, Afcon. There are goal difference. There's just one goal difference. So it's, it's not looking um, all system goal. Money has not really come out to show he's the main man, even though he has to share, fight the spotlight with um, Salah and Liverpool. But now he has the chance to do that. As the number one man here, but it's not really shown that yet. But if Kebed can continue the way that they did, using those two men I highlighted, the right winger and um, the striker Tavares, they definitely can help Senegal. Definitely, I agree with that because 
Senegal, like we have all seen, are not living up to the expectations. And um, I'm just going to run through the games that we have um, this weekend and um, hear you guys, you know, score predictions. So on um, 23rd of January, we'll have Burkina Faso versus Gabon. Nigeria will be taking on Tunisia. And then on the 25th, we have Senegal versus Cape Verde, Malau, uh, Mali versus Equatorial Guinea. And then the 24th of January, we have um, Guinea versus Gambia, Cameroon versus Comoros. And then um, also the 26th, which will be the second game, Ivory Coast versus um, Egypt. And then um, on the 25th, we have um, the last game for that day, Morocco versus um, Malawi. I think Morocco is another dark forces in the tournament. But your score predictions um, for Nigeria versus uh, Tunisia, Bamiji. Uh, okay. Um, the, that, that game is going to be a game of two wingers. Everybody's talking about Moses Simon after his beautiful performance in this group stage. And if we have Kajri, can come back in time because he missed the last game. If he can come back in time for Tunisia, it's going to make it a a dicey one, but I, I, I see Nigeria going through, and I'll give us a 3 1 victory. Wow, <laughs> that's the title, anyways. Um, Okwe, what, uh, what do you think the score predictions will be? Um, I'll, I'll go for Nigeria. Well, before I see my prediction, I just was, I just really wish you know the Nigerian team can just you know slowly and surely get to that final, like take, take it a game at a time, like. You know, this is one of those competitions whereby you play well and almost end up with nothing. I hope that's not the case. So I hope that we go, we win and uh, maybe I'll go with um two zero to Nigeria. Well, a two zero and um, coin. What what would your prediction be? Like I think just focus. As in, just focus. Just focus. They can actually win this tournament, but they literally just need to focus. And I'm just hoping that you know the old nine points out of three games doesn't get into their head and they feel like they're on top of. I really just hope so because if they play the way a lot of Nigerians know they can play, they'll probably win that match like three one. Actually, well, like, I. I... I, I agree on that. Because at what Tunisia, right? They their defense is actually not good. Like their defense is not good. They concede chances. So if we can put our heads down and then just play football, we can actually beat them well. Well, I I hope so. I really hope so. We beat them well, we qualify smoothly, easily. By the way, Norwich has scored. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure. I hope he's not Puki because I don't have him in my team. Anyways, and um, you know, uh, talking about this scoreline still, Shaye, what 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 your predictions for Nigeria's game? Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be two zero. I think it's going to be two zero. I think um, also one of the things that uh, we should realize is our coach has picked the starting eleven. One of the Good things from Stephen Kershaw's uh, win also. He knew who his starting level was, and he was able to, you know, to join to the, the tournament. So I think we are going to see the same guys who started against Egypt. I think it's going to be exactly the same score, and I think we might pull off another win. Thank you. Well, 
Well, um, like um, Coin initially said, is focused. We all hope they can just focus and do the right thing. Please, not at this stage. We, we are, our expectations are now are now quite high, so we we definitely see them qualifying for that one. And then my own prediction, I think, will be a three-zero win for Nigeria. And um, that will be that for the Afcon roundup. Um, I'm just going to, you know, go jump straight into it for the EPL. Um, Kony, when you came on, uh, the first thing I said was, uh, maybe you'll be happy to, you have two sides. One, the happy side, and the other one, the sad side. We can't, uh, we can't stop talking about Manchester United and the current mess that is going on in that team. Uh, we watched them against Aston Villa just this week, come up with this, you know, terrible performance. Got lucky with two goals, then, Somehow still lost that. And they didn't lose the game, but they lost the the the, the goal, um, you know, tally. And then against Bradford, we saw if not have that. I'm not sure many of us can, you know, like that first half. That was a terrible first half in the game against Bradford. And then second half come out, the inconsistency is just too much. What? But it looks like you know, um, Ragnar is a ruthless manager. It doesn't take nonsense. It's going to bench you, regardless of who you are. Um, is that a good thing for Manchester United at this moment, or do you still think he needs to be more, you know, more ruthless about his way or his doings in Manchester United moving forward? Coin. Um, um, I'm trying to not say much because I don't really have much to say, but I just want to come on point. As far as him being ruthless, I think he has sent enough message, right? Um, he doesn't need to do more than this, to be honest, right? Because one thing is sure for everybody now, you play well, you retain your place. It's as simple as that. It's simple. Whenever you get your chance, you play well, you, re you retain your space. That's fine. About the Ronaldo thing, I really do not care. Because right now, I'm of the opinion that, first of all, a lot of our players cannot play football. That's number one. And the fact that whether it is Rashford or Greenwood or Sancho or Bruno, until United gets a proper central defensive midfielder, nothing is going to happen and nothing will change. But the sad thing is that it's looking as if, um, you know, Manchester United are not going to go for any midfielder this January transfer. Bamiji, I'm sure you've also been looking at this um, this um, whole situation surrounding Manchester United very, very closely. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's really clear that uh, the Mac, McTominay and Fred midfield cannot move any of, like anything forward. Any serious team is going to get another midfielder this January. And somehow, Man U has still not, you know, done that deal of six million that we, you know, rumors are, uh, even Fabrizio has spoken about that. Uh, somehow we are not going after this guy. Do you, do you see any logic? Is it because, okay, maybe a Pogba is back? Uh, uh, or do you still think they need to get that additional midfielder, Bamiji? Yeah, it doesn't matter if Pogba is back because if Pogba is back, we're still gonna have the same issue. 
who's going to sit for him. See, you see the thing about United and um, McCominay, Paul McCominay, we, we, get, we get one good game in 30 games and United fans start shouting. We saw McCominay against Brentford in that second half. If you are capable of this performance, why can't you give us this game in, game out? Sorry to cut you short. Sorry, sorry, please, sorry. I just, this point you just made, I just need to point out something. Please and please and please. I've been seeing United fans go, McTominay did a wonderful job, did a this. Please do, he literally did the job of an eight. He cannot play that central defensive midfield. It will be a calamity. McTominay does not pass the ball. He drives with the ball. Imagine United six that is supposed Coinsola. to protect McTominay and Varane. Ah. Coinsola. Please, please send me your account number when you're done, please. Like, like I'm even joking Thank here. You. Like, all it takes <laughs> is for him to make those type of stupid driving runs as a CDM, and then Fabinho stops him. I've been saying this for End months. of story. And people are shouting <laughs> to play the game. McTominay <laughs> is, is an eight. is a squad player at best that is supposed to come in for your eight at 88 minutes. That is his level. <laughs> Bamiji, Bamiji, I, th I, I think um, this is... Sorry, I have um, to just say that. I'm really sorry, please. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. Con con I think your point is really, really valid um, as regards to McTominay because at the end of the day, we, we don't expect him to be that sitting DM. It's not his game. We've seen it many times. We've seen that he loves to drive. He wants to run box to box. You know, he wants to. But sadly, he doesn't have that. You know, skill set to be the first team guy. But we still make use of this guy every time. Fine, if he come on and give us that performance against Bradford, which is fine. The funniest thing is, Bamiji, and I'm sure you can agree to this. You you also said it. One game in thirty. Let's say he's coming in for twenty minutes. We'll probably make up for that one game that he's going to because after he plays 20 minutes, another 20 minutes, next game, 20 minutes, you know, you are giving good performances then. Not when you are playing every time, but I think we cannot stop talking about Fred also in this, in this bit because we've seen him being benched by um, the manager himself. Do you, do you really think, you know, um, these guys, are going to take or you still you believe that six million or let's let's say maybe the man you are waiting for the summer where they want to go in for the bigger boys or you really think this guy they are looking to get should is, is the one to you know fix the problem of Manchester United Amiju. and yeah before um he caught me out the the thing is I think it's been very it, it lives in it. There are a lot of United fans that live in there, but we need to be more realistic about when we talk about the situation at United and talk about what we have. So saying McTominay did well in that game is I'm going to I like two or three more games to try and explain what I was trying to say. Is he, he did well in the lead game where he scored two goals. He was quite actually really, really good in that game. What he knows how to do is he, he sometimes morphs into Kovacic and is able to beat presses, like very, very difficult presses. But it doesn't mean he's a United player out and out. It's not, it's not United standard. It's not United quality. But my, my um, point, bringing up that point, because I, I did also United States, 
um, some days ago, and that's what people were saying. But that's the problem with this United team. We have a lot of players that come on and show one flash or two flashes of brilliance, and some United fans are okay with that. And that's not fine because these teams that we're trying to get to City, Liverpool, they have players that play consistently well, game in, game out. So United not wanting to go for a midfielder, it doesn't make any sense at the moment because it was basically a time when Ruben Neves was being handed over. He, he, he has, he has tuned, fine-tuned his game from being a CM to being able to play in a CDM with the way Thiago did in, in Bayern Munich. But United are not going for him. They're, they're just, it's, it's really painful because it seems like that's the missing piece of the jigsaw that United needs to, to move from from where they currently are to where they should be. But at the moment, United are not doing that. And for, for, for example, we need, to, we need to apparently trust what we have, which is not good enough. But if there's anything I would say is I've not been impressed with Ralph Ragnick, even though it's just one loss since he came in. I've not been impressed with him. He came in talking a lot of big games, saying that we need to control games then the only person that is in that midfield or is in that at least thing that can probably give you a little bit of that, you are not using that, using it, doing the same thing that um, Oliver Nasoja did. So United's situation is very precarious. They, they, it's not looking like they'll sign this, this January. So I'm really wondering how they're going to battle for that top four. And uh, it's really, um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure everyone uh, must be tired about talking about the Donny Donny van der Beek's um, issue because, um, like you said, he came in, said, okay, he's bringing in the pressing game and, you know, control and stuff like that. I think when you need, when you want control, you need to have players who can actually control the ball, like can play with the ball with the, at, the, at their feet, not guys that are scared to, you know, handle football and all. But like you said, it's really a, a, a dicey situation and it's, you know, a funny situation at Manchester United. But let's just go to a team that are looking like, you know, up and on. Like like I said last week, that team, today you are like, man, we are going somewhere. And the next week you are like, God, who be this team? And, you know, that team is also in shambles at the moment. They they wanted the Carabao Cup, but it didn't happen. Okay, your season so far, uh, because last week I asked you this question. Your season so far, if you win a cup and you know make Europa League or Europa um, or Champions League spot, what do you think? That, is that a great season? You agreed with. But now there's no cup again. What should be the aim and objective for us now moving forward at to the end of the season? Of uh, oh. <laughs> well, um, right now, um, I, I think that almost almost deceived me to, to think that it could actually, like, you know. <laughs> so, well, I think, um really, it's simple, really. Like, it's obvious. The standards at Arsenal have, have dropped. Um, we sacked, we sacked um, Una Emery, you know, finished fifth. And um, narrowly lost, lost out on Champions League sports in a season in which he lost the Europa League final to Chelsea. Of course, he had some some games in that new season where we eventually appointed Ateta. But then, everyone keeps talking about the project. Everyone keeps talking about how young the squad is trying to gather ease and 
at the end of the day, nobody's going to wait for you, for your young squad to mature. Results are needed right now. Like, you need to be on it. Of course, a lot of Arsenal fans were like, you know, a top six finish will be okay for him to, you know, build on the structure he claims he's trying to set up. And I think right now we have, um, we have just the Premier League. It's, it's not happened in, in, at Arsenal since 89 since 1989, that would be out of every cup competition at this point in January. But then again, I think he should be given the benefit of the doubts. He has he has a young squad like like everyone knows. But then you look at them and see, okay, these guys, what can they actually achieve? A top four, it's to me, regardless of how Manchester United is doing, regardless of how West Ham is doing, um, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a very big one. It's almost... almost you know, like, if we don't maybe bring in solid reinforcements in January, it's almost impossible. So I think if he finishes in the top six, um, he can be given another, you know, go, you know, for for next season. If not, I think, you know, he just has to go. So I think the, the, the realistic finish for Arsenal still remains the top six. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if um, Shaya has the same viewpoint as regards Arsenal. Because... <laughs> <laughs> you know, see... Once you mention us on this podcast, you have to come. I hear no kidding. I hear Arsenal. We can go And it's exactly, actually true. You, you see, the, the only thing is just that something something is really, something hurts me a lot, especially in the Premier League. And it's the fact that, you know, some people have the opportunity to benefit, spending power, and they just do what they like. And people, things like Arsenal, you know, you need money and all those things. And, some extra, extra clarity and it just won't happen. You know, sometimes I wish this one or the the extra extra funds or put the name. You know, it's fairly we we have a quite a, a good name in the market and we attract quite good players. But at this point in time, what, what Arsenal actually needs is a push. And I'm going to say that because right as as of today, the teams that we know that can conveniently say they can be Arsenal over a two-leg game. Uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. That's three out of 20. And at this moment, you know, that those guys are actually world-class. But we've gone from a, a period where, you know, you're going to be probably too scared to something reasonable. We, we just need to focus and follow this plan. And they, they need to buy players for Ateta. You, you cannot win. You know, sometimes you look at these things and you're like, is it that people are not watching the game? Although the, the fact that they are trying to see this project and all these things makes it very stressful because you want to buy a player, you're first thinking, is he a young guy? He's no more than 24. Is he a world-class player already? It's quite, it's quite strenuous. And we keep having contract issues for other players because of this project. too. So we don't even know how the whole thing is going to pan out. But I, I have to you know, I have to say, it's been bittersweet this season. I, I have not enjoyed this season. Two weeks, I'm happy. One week, I'm very sad. After Liverpool's loss, I could not eat. I just felt really bad. I had to encourage myself that, ah, actually, Liverpool is better than you are. And that squad Liverpool fielded is a depleted squad, but obviously, they were better. There's quality all around, despite the fact that Salah and Mane are not around. So, um, I've left that 10,000 matter. Really, because at this moment, I think it's beyond that pepper. You need to sign yeah. players for the team. You need to sign players. Once, if we oh. sign players, I can tell you, if we sign like the Vlahovic guy they are talking, if we sign Vlahovic and a midfielder, 
I can almost confidently say we'll finish fourth because I don't see Manchester United getting their sheets with Ralph Ragnick. I'll be honest. I don't think Ralph Ragnick is the person leading. I don't even know how the money to appoint. But I don't think he's the one leading. If Ralph Ragnick remains the, the coach and they don't sign anybody and we sign a midfielder and a striker, I think we finish, we finish fourth easily. Well, um, that's a big call from um, Shayed there. Um, they're calling the Gagan pressing guy and um, in back home in Nigeria. So, anyways, um, I'm just going to ask, um, you know, Israel, yesterday, uh, Shayed said something about, you know, I um, asked Liverpool fielding a lesser, you know, squad. Like, the, that team is not their first team. We, we all know that. And somehow, made has now looked like the lesser team in that game. Because let's look at the players Liverpool fielded. Yes, they fielded them. Van Dijk, who is the world-class defender, they, they, they fielded him. Jota, who is not yet a world-class. We know he's a very good player, but he's not a world-class player. And then some other boys that I don't even know, Gordons and one other guy. And they all, you know, the way they played us now, I think uh, we need to also praise Klopp here because the way you, you set up your team, that coaching, that, that's, I think that coaching is really, we, we undermine it because let's swap side. Let's swap side now, Israel. Imagine Klopp going to manage that the Arsenal team that played yesterday, um, yesterday and, you know, uh, Ateta going to Liverpool and managing that squad. I, I, to me, I would say Arsenal might you know, defeat Liverpool because of that, the factor of club. What, what do you think, Israel? Sorry. Uh, Israel. Yeah. Go again, please. Um, so I was saying that um, Ateta and, you know, uh, Liverpool, and Liverpool, Ateta and Klopp, can we say, can we say Klopp has, you know, done a magic at Liverpool where he can actually field different players and not even feel as if okay, the likes of Mane, Salah are not around because yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, yes, I, I, I believe, I believe he has done that. I mean, it's we can, we can, we can see clearly that players like um, Nico. I'm sorry if I'm uh, pronounce, I didn't pronounce the name well. Like the other young players, um, Curtis and Curtis Jones, they're just coming into the system. They're just coming into the game. And they are fitting perfectly, and the other Nico guy that um, that plays the right back, and one other guy like that, I can't remember their name clearly. Sorry, but they're just fitting into the system, and they are playing really fine. I remember, I remember the Liverpool of those days, the Liverpool of Brenda Rogers, when they they um, they had to feed in players from their youth team, players like Wisdom, Ings, and the rest. The only person that 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 um, that was outshining them, that, that performed well, was telling among those players, where are they now? So they couldn't fit into the system. But the, um, like looking at these players now, like they fit into clubs. They fit into clubs' system and um, style of play. And that's, that's the theory that club is going to be in Liverpool for a long time. He's going to be in Liverpool for a very, very, very long time. But well, the other Arsenal, I don't know. Like, I... It's it's crazy because Arsenal is now relying on like let's buy players. 
like the Arsenal of those days, they don't rely on let's buy players. They build players, like they bring players from their youth team and you see them perform well. Like they just fit into the system and you know that, oh, this guy is a generational talent. But now it's not like, oh, we need players. Like looking at Arsenal now, Arsenal does not have squad depth. And you take out, if anybody gets injured, the- you, don't, you don't even know who is going to replace who because it's more like, it's like Ateta is fighting with someone or Ateta doesn't want to play this person or like, I don't understand. So I don't, I don't know how Ateta has lasted long in Arsenal. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's, I, maybe I like to comment strong. on this at, at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. said some maybe, things that maybe. I, 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 I don't know. You know, you know, from the Arsenal setup right now, I, 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 I don't get the fact that you're saying that Arsenal is talking about buying players. The biggest teams in the world buy players. When Arsenal <laughs> was using a young squad under Wenger, we're scrapping fourth position, you know, season in, season out, and. The complaint was that Arsenal is comfortable being fourth. They are using young stars. Okay, They're not yeah, buying yes, players. Yes, 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 where I'm coming from. Yes, where I'm coming from. At the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the season, you guys had like a complete squad. But now there's no squad depth. There, there's no what squad you, depth. I don't, I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. You when don't you have. When you you see. don't have a bench because is it that Ateta is is fighting with someone or Ateta does not know how to play? This particular player. Okay, yes okay, okay. No. Let, let me let, yes. let me break it. Let me break it down for you. I'm not no, a big fan. I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of Ateta, to be honest. But then you look at you look at those players starting for Arsenal right now: Saka, Smitro, Martinelli, um, Odegaard, Lokonga, Ben White. Those guys are those guys are young players. Those guys are young players. This is this is what Ateta has decided to do: build the squad around young players. But of course, you need you need a push, like Shere rightly mentioned. You need a push. You need certain big players to come into that squad, you know, and make it a a whole squad, a full squad. You look at you're talking about squad depth. Ateta has has let some players go wrongly, in my opinion. Like you, like you said, is is either fighting with Aubameyang today, is arguing with Guendouzi tomorrow, and a whole lot. But then again. This is a coach that said, I do not want these players in my team. These are the players that I think I can work with. Then why, did he, some. why did he get them in the first place? No, no, no. no. He, Pablo, Pablo, Pablo Marie. Pa- Pablo okay. Mar- he, bought, he got Pablo Marie, yes or no? He Pablo Marie. Pa- Pablo Marie got... is one, um, uh, one of um, his two aberrations. Ateta he got has had this two guy. aberrations. He got this guy in Marcel. Um, what is his name? Um, no, he didn't get. No, no, he didn't buy Saliba. He didn't buy Guendouzi. He met Saliba and Guendouzi at, at Arsenal. He, okay, the players, okay. the aberrations that Ateta has brought in. The aberration. Wait, all I'm now. saying is, all I'm saying is, the market, the market for you to buy players right now, the market is not like before that. You, okay, you can buy players like oh, 10 million or so. Like they are really putting like a huge price on players right now. So this is what clubs are looking. Clubs are looking to their Team B to 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 generate players. I, see, see. Let me tell you something. Let me tell. Let me tell you something. Before you go out and say you want to buy player, that means you don't have that kind of talent in your team. Okay, wait. Man City. You you, you are calling Man City. Man City. Man City is not a model that you can call. Man City would. Man City would buy um, Grealish and put him on the bench. Hundred million and put hundred million on the bench. 
Man City will buy Rodri and, you know, for, for, for his first season, he's not playing regularly at £50 million. So you can't use Man City as a model. In Arsenal's case, like, I'm, like I was saying, you have a lot of these young guys that re- pretty much have little experience. Yes, we, we have, we've talked, you've talked about Pablo Mari's aberration. The other aberration um, as, um, Ateta has brought in was Ronasin. I think those have been two terrible signings. And maybe, and maybe Cedric. But again, you look at the kind of players he has brought in, young players. And of course, if you want to really push for a top four with that kind of team, you need experienced players. You need big players. So that's why I, I don't understand you saying Arsenal is not a team known for, known for buying players, they build players. Even when um, 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 Asen Wenger was there, we had to... At some point, he knew that, okay, yes, I had to push. He brought in Ozil. Afterwards, he brought in Sanchez. The season he was supposed to push again and bring in a quality player, he bought only Peter Cech and Arsenal knew what happened that season. So I think for every club, every serious big club in England that wants to succeed, you have to have a, a mixture of young stars coming from your academy and scouting for, you know, proper at players that will help lift your team. At the beginning of the season, did you have big players or not? No. What, what do you mean that did I have big players or not? Did you have this? Did you have a marquee player or not? It was supposed to be Aubameyang. It was so, okay. exactly. It was supposed to be Aubameyang, but Aubameyang this, this season has been no. He's been. He's, he's not been there. To be honest, he's been poor in front of goal, and you know, considering the style of play um, Ateta Ateta employs, like you need a striker that can build up and that can score. So it's funny, um, Aubameyang. Can finish, so, but he can't build up. Lacazette can build up, but he can't finish. So, so right now, is is the, right now the only the only um the only player or the the only signing you know that we've looked at from from the summer that was just Odegaard is is still promising in as much as he's already twenty four. He's not a ready made grounded world class player that will come into your team and give your team a lift. And of course, no, not no. even many will want to come in when you don't have Champions League football, you don't have European football. So these are the issues. True, so I agree. Wait, wait, wait. Who are the players that you think you can get this transfer window? Who are the players you think you can get? I'll make your team. We've what been player? we've been we've been linked to two two players that may come in. Vlaovic yeah, yeah. and um Othomelo. Um for me, I, I really don't I don't like Othomelo's style of play. I don't think I don't think it will come in. So I think it's just it might just be another Ceballos, you know, or Denis Suarez. But of course, we 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 don't have midfielders at this point, so I wouldn't mind him coming to Arsenal. Then of course Vlaovic is we, we all know what he's doing in Europe. Of course, he wants a bigger club. He wants a Champions League playing club. But there's a window that if you can drop the money now, Florentina is willing to sell, but the player is willing to wait. So. You know, all those dynamics are there. If we eventually get Vlaovic, it's, it gives us that that big lift that we want from from um from Ateta and from from Arsenal's board for a striker well, and that team. Well, um, it looks like um there's there's there's, there's so many problems going on um with those teams um Arsenal, Manchester United, and um I can even still include Chelsea there. And I'm just going to round it up with that um coin. What what? Because I think Chelsea now have not won any game in the in the last you know how many um matches now, and then um, they are looking like if Tottenham win their outstanding games and then um, 
Arsenal win their standing games. You know, West Ham also win. You know, Man U, they are now going to go from tie to contenders to let's make Champions League. What, where do you think he all went wrong? Was it at that point when Lukaku spoke or was it before then? Uh, because, or was it when their players got injured? Or, is, you know, the, 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 the season is just looking at seeing men from title contenders. We are now looking to make the Champions League spot coin. My view, right, about Chelsea. They did not leave Lukaku. I'm saying it now. Especially if they were going to... So, when they bought Lukaku, I did think Tukia was going to change to a four at the back. Now, we did it against Tottenham, and they, that was one of their best matches in a very long time. But I feel like the way their structure is set around when they use the three at the back system, most of the time, go and check it, even as at last season, a lot of their goals were coming from spare defenders that ran into the box. A lot of their goals were coming from spare defenders that ran into the box. Now, Rich James is a big miss for Chelsea. Very, very big miss. He's almost as synonymous to Chelsea as how bad it will be for Liverpool if Alexander Trent should get injured. That is what Rich James is for him. So I feel like it's just one of those periods that every big club goes through where they are missing key players and they don't they are not exactly playing well. I don't think it is a big deal that people should be saying about to be honest about Chelsea. Wow, um that's uh, uh, it's quite I don't know, I have uh, mixed feelings about that. Um Bamiji, uh, is that the same viewpoint you have as regards um, Chelsea? You know, players uh, fans not to panic, or is it just a moment of uh, madness or whatever it is that's going on there? Yeah, I think Ope spoke well in this light where he said you can't compare City to any team in the league because what City have done is they have they had a hundred million problem, but they put it on the bench just for the sake of it. But I think that is where um, Chelsea have not been able to get back from. You develop a playing style without your 100 million expensive signings. But that tutorial was not... He, he tried to slowly integrate him back into the team. But since then, things have not gone according to plan. What you need to do is try out what you were doing without him. Confirm, confirm what it is, what's going on without him and see how the team would continue playing. We saw, we saw how they played. Regimes was, was, was scoring goals for fun. Benchiro always just got him back from injury. Sorry, sorry. News flash. Flying. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis got a red card. So, you're the captain, Dennis. Sorry. Hey, wait. Bro, it's so clean. It's so clean, honestly. I, I, I saw the object. I'm like, what? I said, now nah, when I'm done with this, I'm going to check that. But last last week, I going to be an awful game for everybody that captain. And I know that. Nigerians don't cost what for. Nigerians, I have to check it for what for. Nigeria, Nigeria, hey, Jonah. Small please, small please. Anyways, Bamiji, you were saying. Yeah, so I think Tuchon needs to try what he was trying before. 
it doesn't matter if it's upsetting Lukaku. I mean, he's done his worst. He's gone to Grant and interview. So try what you were trying before. Just see what see what's going to happen because I, I, how he's looking. He's looking like just in three four months. He's looking like Lukaku is a really bad investment. But he's a good manager. He's one of the very very good tax managers. We saw him. Uh, he's tried to do the four two 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 that um, that Ragnik was talking about and. Chelsea did it very well in those two um, legged ties against them, Tottenham. So I, I expect him to come again, try different styles, and see what see what's gonna happen with that Chelsea side. Well, uh, hopefully they would uh, not get their barriers, and uh, we can all look up, you know, competing for the Champions League um, spot. Even though I still believe that Manu might not make that, and. Um, it's going to be an exciting um, EPL weekend. We're going to see, you know, um, before the winter break. Um, I think this is the first winter break we'll be having, like, in God knows where. But it's really funny that the winter break was not taken during the festive period, but instead it's been taken around this period. I think that's, that's also going to be, you know, a, a good one for Liverpool, who are missing their star players like um, Mohamed Salah and um, Adam Mane. Uh, including navigator of um, Guinea itself. Uh, I'm just going to round it up uh, with Australian Open today. Uh, the, the the massive news of um, of Australia Open um, is is been you know uh, really really crazy today. But I, I think we 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 cannot agree that with that that matchup uh, Naomi Osaka going out was really, really it, um, it, a terrible one for Australian Open because they've also missed out on a, a superstar like uh, Djokovic, who is not also taking part, and missing another superstar very early in the competition, you know, re- uh, uh, reduces the, the marketability of the, of the whole tournament itself. Um, offered, do, you, what do, do you think, um, you know, how do you think well, Australian Open are really going to recover from this from this setback, or you you think it will also bring more excitement for the tournament itself? Well, Australian Open doesn't have any setback. The, <laughs> the athletes are the ones that have setbacks. So Djokovic needs, Djokovic needs to go back and go and try and sort himself out. And for Osaka, well, I'm really not surprised. I'm never surprised with. You know, the female aspect of, of tennis, anybody can come and just win the tournament. You've had very few of them, really very few of them being consistent over time. And, um, you know, Raducanu, um, she, 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 she won a Grand Slam, you know, last year. She's out. You know, many of the big players have crashed out already. But, of course, you still have Iga Swatek, Ashley Barty, and a couple of other you know, big players in the tournament that could still go all the way. So I think, um, of course, the marketability of the Australian Open is still intact. It's still one of the biggest Grand Slams, you know, in tennis. And I feel like it's also a big opportunity for the likes of um, Danny Medvedev to get another Grand Slam in his belt. You know, there's also um, Alexander Zerev, who's been, who's been in fantastic form over the past year, to also have a go at a Grand Slam title. But of course, you know, Nadal is still always around, locking, also chasing his you know, record 21st Grand Slam. So 
Of course, there's still a lot of tennis to be played in the Australian Open. We are entering the quarterfinal stages gradually, you know. So there's so much to still look out for in the Australian Open. Well, um, thankfully, we still have these guys who are going to be competing um, in that round. And um, we, one of our hosts um, today is going to be going to be you know leaving us right now in person of Mbamiji. Thank you so much for joining um, our show today, Bamiji. Uh, we hope to hear from you very, very soon again. Um, thanks for having. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much, people. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate. Thank appreciate you. Being thank in, you. Thank you for joining us. Ball enthusiasts. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so, so much. much. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Bamiji. Great. And um, as as you got um, you know, uh, Djokovic um situation, it's it's really funny that. The way the whole thing panned out, he, he, you know, he just couldn't play that tournament. So is he saying throughout the, the, the season, any country that, you know, has decided to have that law in place is, going, is willing to, you know, go all year, you know, not playing major tournaments? What, what do you think about that? Because we, we've, we've seen France you know, talk about it, okay, we are going to make, we, we are going to allow uh, Djokovic to actually play, regardless of him taking that, that shot or not, but there are still other grand slams, even after the French Open, let's say if Wimbledon, which will be held in London, for for instance, then there's a, you should, you should, you know, be vaccinated in, in UK, but if, I don't know, moving forward, what, what do you think um, Djokovic and his, his same plan should be. Sorry. Well, we, I, um, Djokovic actually would have learned from this experience, and um, I personally, I think, I think he's still not going to get vaccinated because uh, I'm sure his ego, you know, is not going to make him. You know, those sports people. That's how they are. Those people who want to come out and say they're not going to get vaccinated, they will still say they they will actually still not get vaccinated. The only luck he has is that, just like you said. Some countries will let him enter, some will not. I, I, I have a feeling there might be issues, you know, later on, but it's not likely that any of them will be as strict as Australia has been. And, you know, if, if later on, I was thinking about it from the angle of, you know, the Australian government. And I felt, well, it, it's very good to, at this point in time, everybody knows there's a pandemic. And the issue that they're having is they, they want to rule where everybody will be able to abide by. Now, with this bold step by the government, I'm sure nobody in that country will even be able to raise an issue and say, oh, I'm supposed to enter, I'm not vaccinated, I want to take you to court because you'll just be rest assured that you can't enter eventually. So Djokovic must have weighed his options. I'm sure he must have known there's a chance this might happen and he decided to jeopardize his opportunity. The only painful thing is that I've been watching this tournament, sadly, or... Uh, well, why did I say sadly? But because I've not really been encouraged. But I've been watching the tournament, and it's also the one that he could actually have easily won. I would say this because the the guys are, and even the ladies, they've not been so great. The people you are expecting to to bring up the performance, they've not been wow like that. And there is a fair chance that Nadal might actually win it, and then you know he, he gets up. Although I don't think he's going to, but you know he, he could have actually just collected the vaccine and just win your your grand slam and let's just know that you are ahead you know so i really wish him all the best but 
I think is is a is a down one for the Grand Slam that he has won the most, and the, the one he has the most trophies along amongst his collection. He would have had a very good chance of eventually edging out Nadal and Federer in this competition. Well, um, true, true, true. I agree on that. And Djokovic will most likely have won that. And um, just to, uh, you know, we'll just um, touch on um, the NBA season. And so far, it's, it's looking really, really, you know, crazy for for the Los Angeles team. Uh, I'm not sure. Israel, did you did you see the game against um, uh, Lakers versus Indiana Pacers where uh, he... The, the, the old outburst from Westbrook being benched the last, you know, critical minutes of the game, even just after they had won a game against um, Utah, uh, just before then, they lost three games. Like, the roller coaster season has just been crazy. You know, they, they are good this night, and you're like, oh, they're not bad, though. And then the next night, you're wondering what's going on here. And, you know, uh, LeBron is now playing center in some games. Meanwhile, there's a Dwight Howard on the bench. Like, the mess is just everywhere. And you know the funniest thing? Everybody's asking the question, who are we to blame? Pelinka, I've even seen some memes on Twitter where you say, oh, Pelinka, Rob Pelinka is being, is pointing to Ginny Boss. Ginny Boss is pointing to Vogue. Vogue is pointing to LeBron. LeBron, you know, everyone is pointing at each other. I don't know, Israel. What, help me out here. One word, man. Sack Frank Vogel. Like, <laughs> even though it's not one word, but one second, Sack <laughs> Frank Vogel. Like, man, like, in, they need to get rid of him, man. Like, I, I don't know, man. It seems he's not working. I don't, it seems he's not working. He has enough time. He has had enough time to fix the team. Like, I don't, it's not working. It's not working. LeBron is playing center. Sometimes he, we just bent the white, the white award, and you'll be needing a center. They'll be dominating the paint, and you bench your center. You have like two centers on bench, even though we know the Andrew Jordan <laughs> is not even playing very well. But you have the white award on bench. You 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 just put, leave him there, and they are dominating the paint, and you leave LeBron that's under seven foot to 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 play as a center. I don't get it. I literally don't get it. No one gets it. No man. One gets I don't know. I don't know. I, I I I just feel that like like there are other coaches that can do better with this team, and and by the way they need to trade they need to trade some guards and get some actual shooters they need to trade some guards maybe it's high time they let THT go or I don't know I don't know um, one of the guards they need to let one of the guards go and maybe base more they need to they need to also add base more to that to that trade. And get and get someone that can shoot really well. Well, well the problem is those those players have really been inconsistent, and um, you know, trying to get rid of them. He, he, I, I'm not looking to acquire a bad deal. Everyone is trying to have a win-win situation, so it's really going to be difficult to get those guys out. But really, I hope them well. And um, well, just to you know, someone who we all are happy to see is um Clay Thompson, um Kanye, who I, I, you know, Clay has been he has been looking as if he didn't go out. That's just what I'll say. You almost believe okay, this guy did not was not injured for two years. He came in his first game, a dunk, three points, shooting, everything, sharp. Next game, seventeen points in eleven in eleven minutes, sharp. 
next game, like it has been sharp, sharp, sharp. Not the, the, we, I've, I've not had any game to say, oh, okay, uh, Clay was actually injured. I think he needs to he needs to rest or something. It has been sharp, 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 sharp. And I'm sure you know you are really excited to have Clay back, and you are really looking forward to that playoff tournament uh, come you know April um, coin. I think one person you also need to give a lot of credit to is Stephen Kerr. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, I agree. Big into, into fitness. And um, one other thing that people haven't realized is it has also helped him to rest Steph Curry more. He has helped him to rest Steph Curry more. Now, I mean, the biggest person we are missing right now is Draymond Green. Now, Draymond Green is... I think um coins and network um went up there. Anyways, um, you know, uh Warriors has just really been been great and um I'm sure like Shaye and Offer will also agree with me that they they are looking like a team to to reckon with again and they'll definitely, definitely put up a challenge for for that NBA title come April. Okay, do you do you really do you, um, I don't know. Do you see Golden State, you know, going all the way to win the tournament? Well, um, sorry, I'm back. Yeah, Klein, we'll get back to you, Klein. My friend was just making a point. Yeah, like it's it's been it's been really good so far for for the Golden State, and of course, um, now that Clay Thompson is back, is a big, um, you know, is a big is a big one for them, and I feel like. The way it's the way it is now is if they can um if you have if you have um Golden States um playing well you 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 know that Curry is at the center of whatever you know that is going on there so if Curry if Curry is up to it they they really 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 have a very big chance of of actually winning the title this season. Well, I agree on that um aspect. I I, I, I literally don't agree because. I literally don't agree. Like no, like the Golden State. See, I I know calling you your Golden State fan, but you see, yeah, it's not it's not straight it's not straightforward like that. Let me tell you, number one, they still have to face the Suns. Yeah, the Suns is even though people think that they are not that good like that, but hey, you literally have to do the work to beat them in a seven game series. That's one. Then you have to face the the team from the other side, like um. Is either you face the box or you face the Nets. Those are teams that are not playing at all. They are not playing. So it's not going to be like a straightforward thing for Golden State like, like before. No, it's not going to be like that. Yes, we are hoping for the Lakers to wake up. We are just hoping for them to wake up. But no, they are, they are still sleeping now. But the people you have to go past is the Suns. You literally have to beat the Suns because they need to win a championship. That's, well, that's just all I have actually, to say. It's not just the Suns, though. The guys in the Western Conference are actually bully. Like I've been going, I've been looking at at some of the games actually because of um Australian Open, and the truth of of the matter is, Golden State is not the only one who is trying to you know gather from. Of course, there's there's an inconsistency this season. And it's really annoying not to be able to you know put your mind that okay, one team is going to. I I I I like Lakers personally. I follow LeBron James anywhere he goes, but. I feel like this season is is really going to be difficult coming out of the playoffs. I personally think Suns again they have a good 
with this, and I'm sure they've not completely healed up from last season, and they will definitely like want to, you know, go again and see how far they can go. But not just them, Mavericks. They they are ha- trying to put up a good run. The Grizzles are trying to put up a good run. So it's not really so. It's not straightforward, just like rightly said. I don't even think. I don't even. I think Golden State at some point might actually, you know, fall off during. The playoffs again. I just, I just have that. Curry effect. That. Curry effect. <laughs> Man, I don't forget. No, sorry, please. At this point, can I talk? At this point, yes. can I? Talk? Yes, you can talk. You can talk. <laughs> so I, hear you all of I hear all of you. Right? I hear you. You're absolutely correct. The guys, I mean, the guys in the in the West are seriously balling. I already, I mean, Debo knows. I predicted that the winner of NBA Finals this season is going to come from the West, right? Because I don't, I really don't think these. Yes, most definitely. Yes. Yeah, most, most definitely. definitely, right? But this is why. Now I'm not even saying it is going to be straightforward. Like I said, right? It is. Like I said, um, you're absolutely correct. But this is what I want to remind people, just in case people are forgetting. So yes, we are me- we are mentioning the Phoenix Suns. They got to the final last year. We are and. Don't forget, there is COVID, there is all of that. That has been a huge detriment to a lot of teams. And that's why inconsistency has been a whole lot more this season because you have this player under COVID protocols, you have that player under COVID protocols. But this was why I kept on saying I am extremely happy that Wiseman and Clay will be back for the playoffs. And like I said earlier, it allows that team to rest Steph Curry. Now, don't forget that the Golden States were not in the playoffs last season, last year. Now, they are wiser. They have a point to prove this year. Now, another thing we are forgetting is the core is back. Like, the core is back. So, you have, um, you have the only difference is just that you have either um, Poole or Wiggins replacing Harrison Barnes. But now what you have is a core and then you now have a sixth man ready to come in Andre Igodala. The core is back. Now you cannot take away the fact that... I like this guy. Back to back. <laughs> two back to back championships. Experience. Coupled with the fact that they are also... Are you forgetting that the NBA of then is not the same NBA now? Literally, like, yeah, they gave dope. birth to the NBA of now. Like, no, literally, I'm, I'm this call. you that the NBA of then, the NBA which they went back-to-back, the Western Conference which they went back-to-back, it's not the same Western Conference now. What I'm it's telling not you the is... the same. Yes, I because agree. But what guys I'm telling are going you... to come, come at them as, like, dogs. They're playing against... They're playing against... They're playing against... Texas. But they are guys, going to come at them as dogs. Like, they are guys, not going wait. to... I agree. But look at it. This is what I'm saying. So, back then, they were literally just jump-shooting teams. Now, this season, if you watch the Golden States, one of the reasons why they are getting more points is because now, if you clear the lane, they are making more perimeter shots. They are driving to the rim. So you don't, you can't just protect the three-point line again. You have to also protect the paint. That's the problem. So when you have people like Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole driving to the paint, 
they can reverse a pass to Clay and Steph, who would most likely sing the tree. Hmm. It's like, it's like you, you, you know, you know, you know, Steve. Like you know, Steve. Steve, 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 Steve book. You know, it's playbook. So, like, like they're just going to. I, I mean, they're just going to no, watch the that, playoffs. I'm playoffs not saying like, that they would win. I'm not saying that they would win. I'm saying in terms of playoff experience, in terms of having a squad. That's what I'm saying. If you look, at, they are they are probably the most stacked squad in terms of rotations. You know, you have people like. Kami do you Kami. know? See, do you know? Do you know? The Lakers have. Um, the, the Lakers have a playoff squad, a more compact playoff squad. These guys are more compact playoff squad than than Golden State. No, but what I'm saying is the your squad is not performing. Like, These guys are performing. No, no. See, I'm, I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm serious. I, I support yes, the Miami. But what I'm saying is, in terms of the Miami, I'm telling you that in experience, in experience, no, but what I'm in experience, is, in everything, in everything, Lakers still have a better playoff score than score than than the Golden State. What I'm saying is, whether you have that experience, I'm talking about it in its totality, in terms of playoff experience, the way they are playing now, the way the squad is playing, Lakers. If Lakers wins a match tomorrow, Devo is giving testimony in church on Sunday. What are we talking about? <laughs> You'll be all right, Corey. You'll be very, very all right. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure we we, we can all we can't all wait for the for the playoffs to to begin because then we, we can the game is much more slower. You know, everything is now in play. Everything you know, the beast um LeBron. We can also see. Curry, who is you know going to be doing his thing, so it's going to be an interesting playoff, and um, I'm sure we are all excited. And that will just be the end of our of today's show. Um, um, thank you for everyone that you know that has joined today. Thank you, Coin. Thank you, Shaye, Okwer, and um, forever Israel for joining for uh, today's um podcast show. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we are all excited. You know, for the weekend, um, Nations Cup, uh, EPL. And you know, basketball and Australian Open are still going to be on air. Um, closing remark from anyone up there, coin, share, Israel, anybody. Sorry, please. I just want to ask, is Nigeria playing tomorrow? No, on Sunday. Okay, Sunday. Okay. All right, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It was really fun tonight. Thank you. Manchester Thanks. United will not stress us this weekend. Amen. Jesus. Amen. 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 They will not stress me <laughs> because I'm stressed. <laughs> Okay, any closing <laughs> one. <laughs> well, um, I hope I hope Ateta and his guns get back to winning ways this weekend, and um, we we we'll move on from there. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully. Shall you any closing remark from you? Thank you, guys. Uh, hopefully, before our next podcast, we'll have signed boys. Maybe Blaovic will be. <laughs> is in my team by the next podcast. Don't put anything for everybody. <laughs> Israel, hopefully you guys would have not, not signed them Mbappe and um, Salah and everybody by the next podcast. Thank you. Hopefully. I just want Nigeria to win on Sunday. That's all. Alright. Great, great, great. Thanks, guys. Um, See you for the next show.